Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End. We are outside Vicarage Road after Watford, nil. Tottenham Hotspur, nil. My name is John, with me is Mike. Uh, good afternoon. Jody. Hello. And Jason. Hello there. And uh, well, it, was, it was a game where Watford grew into the, the first half, dominated the second half, very similar I think, uh, last week at Bournemouth. But Mike, a, a draw yep. at home, yep. continue the run. It's, it's sort of what you, minimum wasn't it? I wouldn't say it was minimum. I think Troy Deeney's uh, programme notes were, were on the money. He said Spurs are a proper team, and they are. You look at down the lineup. you look at who their manager is. This is a proper, high-performance football team. Not in the best of form at the moment. They're obviously struggling. They've obviously got their issues. But they, have, they are blessed with players that can turn the game in a heartbeat, can turn a game, take a game away from you in the space of a few minutes. We've had it done to us before. So this is absolutely... This is a really, really difficult challenge, a really, really difficult match and one that I don't think anyone should have taken for granted. I said before the game I, th- I would take a point because I think that kept the, would keep the momentum going. But I thought the first 10, 15, 20 minutes or so, Tottenham looked a really good side. I thought they popped the ball around really well and we thought, hang on, this is the probably the, the toughest challenge we're going to have of the Pearson era. And I include but you, what, we wanted that. Absolutely. We wanted that. Absolutely. And I think what, what's great about this performance is that Watford did against a proper team, to use, to use Troy's words, the same that we've done in all the other games. You know, we, we grow into the game like we did against Bournemouth. You know, the first 35, 40 minutes against Bournemouth weren't exactly an oil painting. Watford had to sort of soak up a bit of pressure, start understand the game, get a foothold in it. And they did exactly the same today. The difference being against a really, really good side set up, you know, with obviously with a with a defensive mind um, with with Jose in charge. So, really, really pleased with the with the outcome. I think I think that was it gives us great hope going forward because it's so we you know it's one thing doing it against against Bournemouth. It's one thing just about getting over the line against Wolves who are who are in a bad run of form and, and tired and so on and so forth. But to do it here to sort of impose our authority, impose our will on a team like Spurs this afternoon. I think bodes incredibly well for the rest of the season. And that's what we wanted from today, not to sort of cut this momentum to come to a juddering halt. That's what we couldn't afford. So that's that was the minimum, not getting spanked, not not tripping up on this sort of this road to recovery. It's a long road to recovery, and we need to make sure that momentum's kept up. Jason, the second half, though, you know, I think there was a, there was a point once the extra minutes had gone up from uh, the fourth official. That's when Tottenham actually seemed to start wanting to play a game of football and really have a go at us. But we were almost dominant and spells there where it was they couldn't even get it out and it was back in it was out it was back in it was it was a Watford second half absolutely yeah it was it was a lot better I just wonder if the, with the first half I wonder if we set up like that sort of us sitting back Mourinho's teams like to counter-attack and if we're sitting deep there's there's nothing to counter against so I just wonder if there was a bit of that just to make it harder for Spurs to play their Jose game um, but yeah second half much better from, from Watford just Maybe lacked a little bit of quality that we've seen in previous performances where we've come away with wins. Sometimes the final ball wasn't great. When it was, and opportunities presented themselves, we didn't quite make the most of those. Obviously, the penalty as well. So, good. Could be a little bit better, but not to the point where we're complaining about it. Jordy, the, the penalty in the second half could have been the, 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 the win. I'm going to call you up on this, Jordy. Uh, you said, on our WhatsApp group, Troy Deeney, isn't a great penalty taker. Well, sir, I think I've seen him score a few. He has, and I guess if, a, if the ball goes in, it's a great penalty. What, what I mean is he's not a player who puts it in the corner. You know, he's, he's, he's a centre forward, he's a captain, and that's why he's taken them, because he's Troy Deeney, and I guess because there's no obvious other candidate, and because he has been, been successful with what his, his uh, style. But also, we haven't had a lot of penalties. 
We've had a few in well, a couple in, the, in recent times, and he's hit them hard down the middle. And obviously, you want to do goalkeepers think and do their homework, and the answer is yes, they do because this <laughs> is the Premier League. Um, and do they know that he's not? You know, I don't have to dive into the corner because he's not going to stick it right against into, you know, into the inside of the side netting. And if I don't commit, I'm, you know, it, it's like do I? have a game of not chicken with him but do I stand up for longer and see if he's going to put it it wasn't a great penalty it's a good, it's a good penalty to save for a goalkeeper it's a good height it wasn't in the corner if the goal had gone the other way it would have been a great penalty so <laughs> so again we, we judge penalties on them being goals or not what, what, when I kind of said in the group it, was, it, it wasn't he's not a, a Ray Stewart a Stuart Pearce or any other kinds of Stuarts uh, <laughs> who, who you think you know they can have a really good you know a Letizia a, a player you just put your mortgage on with, when, with, when Troy's there you, you, you'll put your money on him Stepping up, you'll put your money on him, hitting it with confidence, but you know he's not going to stick it, you know, in in, in the, on the poster stamp. There was a moment in the semi-final uh, Wembley when he did score, but he looked really doubting of himself. And there's a thing I've sort of noticed the last couple of games where we've had penalties and we're waiting for VAR, and you can almost see him thinking to himself and trying to keep himself focused. Like, he's had a drink. He's had a drink, hasn't he? Before he's taken the last two penalties, he's taken the time to have a drink, which I'm, I've noticed as well. And it's uh, I hadn't yeah. noticed that, yeah. that much detail. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, you know me, I'm uh, very focused on the... Uh, on the my new side of the game, but uh, yeah, so I, you know, I think there's only one penalty taker for me. It's always going to be Troy Deeney if he's on the pitch, and I think it's absolutely right he took it. It's absolutely right he tried to mix it up because if, if you put it down the middle like he has done, and the keeper stands still and uh, and saves it, he looks like a bit of a wally, doesn't he? So, you know, fair play for trying to mix it up, but it, it just it just didn't go our way this time. Okay, something I found strange after the Villa game when he was interviewed, I don't, I don't know if it's match of the day or whatever. He talked about the penalty and he talked about waiting, like you talked about playing that game of chicken with the keeper. He sort of, he said he waited for the keeper to move and then just hit it hard where he wasn't. And I found that a bit weird because strikers don't tend to give away their penalty taking secrets as goalies don't give away their, their penalty saving secrets. Just found that a bit odd. Not saying that that's the reason why today, but just, just very strange. If you're going to miss a penalty, which even the best penalty takers will miss, you know, you've listed the recent games against relegation rivals, the semi-final. This is the one you'd, you'd say, OK, at least we've still got a point out of it. it was like, to my point, we've kept the momentum. It could have been three points, but if we'd scored it, would Spurs have attacked, they could have pulled it back to one all. So you know, if he's going to miss one, then today is the one we can let him have. Can I just say, guys, congratulations on, on lapsing so seamlessly into looking at the negative side of things. <laughs> I'm so very, very proud of you all. And, and while, we are, while we're on the sort of... And I think Jason's absolutely right. I think we all, I'm really happy with the point. It keeps the momentum up. It's a, a, a point against a decent side. The, one, the other thing that I was slightly disappointed about, again, this is a, this is a minor gripe, but I thought... Oh, hang on, hang on. You're not going to be hypocritical, are you, on the side of Mike? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I thought um, Ismail Saar had, had... How do you pronounce his surname? Tatanga. 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 He had Tatanga on toast and he got him booked early. He obviously had a. He obviously had his number, uh, and was skipping past him for for absolute fun. Had him had him booked, and I think in that second half when we were getting a lot of ball, he just seemed to be a little bit lacking in confidence. I think, and you know, don't get me wrong, I think he's earned that right. He's he's still finding his way. Um, you know, he's, he's he's having to deal with with instructions and tactics, and I, and I get it. But I just thought sometimes all you need to do, we saw it in the the second goal against Bournemouth, poke the ball past him. And away you go. And I think if we'd have got a little bit more out of out of Saar this afternoon, then I think we might have had a little bit more joy. But but that will come. And I was uh, I was talking to a friend Ian at half time. Hello Ian. And um, what a joy to have 
players like that playing for us, I would just have liked to have seen a little bit more confidence and that realisation, you've absolutely diddled him here, you've got him on toast, he's yellow carded, you can beat him for pace, just knock the ball past him and see what happens and I think there was a little bit of, a little bit tentative from, from him and, 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 and perhaps others, um, but overall... Um, yeah, they're, they're the negative bits out of the way, are they? But he did that last week as well, didn't he? He didn't have a very forward, running, go, go, go attitude against Bournemouth and did in the second half. And it, it felt, again, the same today. He was, you know, five steps back. He wasn't really, say, running at him very in the first half, but he was getting to the byline in the second half. But it'll, come, it'll, it'll come with him. He's a terrific player. I'm so excited and, and so thrilled to have him in, in, a, in a Watford shirt. Hopefully that injury, um, that injury isn't too serious. But who knows, if he hadn't have come off, would we have lost the game? Well, that was a bit. Just, just a point on sides that makes me feel sorry for Usain Bolt because he wanted to be professional football for so long, and then I think he's the only person who could get in the box uh, to be on the end of one of Sars' crosses. Because when, <laughs> when he does knock it past the fullback and start running, you think he's now got to stop and wait for everyone to catch up because he is yeah. so, so yeah. fast. But there was a, an opportunity uh, for Spurs, inch, no millimeters uh, uh, from being a goal, uh, with a, a last-ditch effort. My assumption, well done, Maps, I thought to myself. Well done. But no, it was not Adrian Mariapa throwing himself and clearing off the line. It was the new boy, Nacho. Nacho goal, uh, Miller. Um, <laughs> he did, yeah, he did, he did incredibly well. I mean, a, there was no, no more room for error. That was as close as it could possibly be. I think we've all seen the freeze frame now. That's as close as it can possibly be to, to being a goal without being a goal. He did incredibly well. It sort of, the, 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 the ball trickled through, wrong-footed everyone, and sort of you could see that looking Foster's. And I think everyone's heart sank in the stadium as you just thought that's just going to roll in. Even when he cleared it, I thought, I thought that's going to get given as a goal. It looked. I was in the Elton John stand today, and it looked like it, it had gone in. But he, yeah, fair play to Pasetto to get up to speed quick enough to react and, and to hook that away. You know, undoubtedly he saved he saved us uh, saved us a point there. And you know, I think you, you level out the two really big chances, penalty for us, and and that you know probably ninety times out of hundred ends up in the back of the net or a millimetre over the line. It probably <laughs> wouldn't have hit the back of the net. So I think that sort of yeah, fair play to Pasetto, and uh, who knows if Sar would have done it. So yeah. The uh, footballing gods move in mysterious ways. Yeah, my favourite bit was actually a bit later on. Son had come to get a ball, and uh, as uh, Foster was about to, to clear it for me, he sort of turned to him and went, Look, mate, it was about that far. And he you know, looked like a, his two fingers very, very close together. But it ended nil-nil here at Vickers Road. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. Mike's surname is Parkin. Here's a son called Arlo. And this is our feature, Michael Parkinson. It gives me great pleasure to welcome once again to Michael Parkinson. Arlo, hello, how are you doing? Good, I'm excited. You're excited? What are you excited about? Because today I'm playing my first ever Sunday like match on Astro stuff and we've never done it before. A new experience for you, Arlo, then. Watford, nil-nil with last year's Champions League finalist. Happy with that? Mm, yeah, but I feel like it should have been... Another 1-1 draw. Obviously, Watford had their penalty and Spurs had their chance missed off the off the line. So that was going to be my question for you today, Arlo. Watford did have that brilliant chance to take the lead. Troy Deeney took the penalty. Unfortunately, it was saved by Gazaniga. What advice would you have for, for Troy for next time he's taking a, taking a penalty? Um, I'd say place it with power. Don't think he did that necessarily yesterday. No, it normally just aims for um, the middle, but... With power, but this time he just shot not hard enough into the left corner, and I don't think that's his. I think that's probably one of his weak spots. Arlo, good technical advice. Troy, if you're listening, 
you know what to do, but we're still backing you, Skipper. Arlo, good luck today. Have a great game on, on Astroto for the first time. And uh, thanks very much for joining us. Bye. You're listening to From the Rookery End. The performance though today was, well, Jason, can you find anybody who played badly? No, I don't think I can. I, I was sort of thinking, and sort of with about 10 minutes ago, sort of looking around the pitch and thinking not only who's, has anyone played badly, but more sort of who, who's the standout. And again, I couldn't, there wasn't anyone really that stood out head and shoulders above the rest either. I thought the, the defence had a decent game again Messina looked good again but Dawson had a good game and then sort of cut the moments towards the end where he went a bit wobbly but generally yeah I thought yeah everyone had a good solid performance sort of a good solid nil-nil performance yeah we've seen in the media uh, especially on Five Live this last week uh, lots of players going to talk about with them what what Nigel Pearson has done to that dressing room and how he's changed Watford but you know we like the detail and we, we can see it week in week out who do you think has improved the most? Now, Mike, before we figure out who Geordie's choice is and who Jason's choice is, there have been a lot of players who you couldn't compare. Yeah. You couldn't compare. They didn't play under under Kike, um, many games anyway. There are there are a few there who have taken their opportunity now under under Nigel Pearson. I'm a I'm a big fat greedy guts. These two are only allowed one each, so I'm going to take I'm going to take two, and I'm going to first up is is Adam Messina. I think the way he's grasped the metal since coming in has been you know a real real joy to behold. And you know I'm thinking back to the end of the um, end of last season when we were so upset about Holobas not not potentially being in the in the FA Cup final. Now it's hard to see Jojo getting back into the the side at all really isn't it with with Messina he just looks so at ease coming forward he looks strong he seems to have grown four inches um, and it, I think he looks great and I just think the way he he's positive as well he doesn't look just comfortable as a, as a, as a ball playing defender he's, he's just so positive uh, and I just like the way that he's he's sort of stamped his authority on the team and made himself certainly one of the first first names on the team sheet I think at the moment. My uh, wife when we came for the FA Cup um, game against Tranmere I said who was your favourite player and she said him yep. she couldn't name him but she named him just because he played with a smile on his face but also I think it's, it's worth mentioning that game because he was one by the end he was the probably the most um, one of the most senior players on the pitch one of the few and he was the one that was still rabble rounding he was the one still trying to lift Watford and trying to get them through the game and I thought that was hugely impressive and I think that spoke of how his confidence is rising and Probably that of the entire team, really. But yeah, so I thought he was in that Tranmere game. There's a lot to forget about it. But he, yeah, he shone through in that as well. So Nicky was right to, to pick up on it and that. <laughs> Who else then has is, is taken this new opportunity that's come in front of them? And and again, I think he was absolutely superb today. The way he manoeuvred himself around, he just understands football. His body understands football. His brain understands football. Nathaniel Chalabar again today, I thought was was absolutely sensational. And he's had to bide his time. He's had to wait for a, for a um, an injury to Will Hughes, who was. There in the back of the Elton John today, kicking and, and heading every ball. He was uh, he was like a supporter definitely today. So bad luck for Will Hughes. But yeah, Chalabar looks all of a sudden like that player we thought we had. Um, and I think it's just joyous. My heart's singing seeing these these players playing for, for Watford. You know, having Sars so excited. But having these guys coming through, um, 
proving themselves to be to be decent, not just squad players, but absolute you know stars effectively in in the side. So those two have have taken their opportunity, and it's it's so important that that they do do that. If we're going to get out of this mess, we're going to absolutely need everyone who potentially hasn't played before to come through and and show their worth. So those guys to come through in key positions um, is is so important. And Chalabar alongside those two in in midfield, it feels like we've got our midfield back. We feel like we've got that powerful engine back, and 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 I think Nathaniel Chalabar has got had a huge impact on that. So those two definitely have brilliant for me, brilliant. When I set the homework on WhatsApp the other day. I did say you weren't allowed to have either of those two players or Troy Deeney because Troy didn't play a part uh, really under Kike. If he played at all under Kike, were you only allowed to pick players that played in Kike's last game, which was away at Southampton? Geordie, two great performers there for Mike. Who who would be your choice for the most improved? Uh, and having the Pearson effect done something massive for them. Uh, I'm going to go for Dekure. Um, if, you, if you think about the, the improvement, it's gone, gone from negative through zero all the way to positive. So it's not just a, from, from a standing start. I think we, we all know what um, Abdullah can do. He's, he's, um, he's, a, he's a legend, I think, in, a, in many ways. You know, he's, such, he's one of the best players you've ever had. And we are very fortunate to have, probably, you know, alongside him in Kapu, another one of the greatest players in our history. But we we were all kind of lamenting a little bit, and did his did his head get turned by Everton in the summer? You know, he has he he's not the player he was, and all this and that and the other. But his high standards have been met again. You know, he's he's contributing to goals, he's he's contributing to games, he's he's making assists. Um, he's playing with with, with painkillers. He's playing with painkillers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, good good on the painkillers. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, really. he, uh, yeah, I uh, just watching it today. You know, we, we talk about the front three, and we talk about you know Saar, Delafeo, and, and and Troy. But when when uh, Spurs were trying to play, take advantage of the new rule and play goal kicks out short, Dini was in the middle, and those players were wide. But Dukure was up front with him. So Dukure's it's not just that he's kind of been reinvigorated; he's been kind of reallocated, I think. And he he suffers a little bit. I think people look at Dukure and think, oh, he's a great defensive midfielder, and he is. But he's that's not his position he's an he's attacking midfielder but because he doesn't look like silver or one of these kind of diminutive type of players it, it doesn't it doesn't fit and I think Toure was a similar thing where people said he's a very strong good defensive player but actually he was very good in an attacking phase of play as well I think the Toure is unleashed and I think the, the thing with with Pearson is although we can look at individuals and say he's done better he's done better he's done better the, the reality is they've all they've all kind of it's like a chain reaction to an extent you know the defense isn't um, in any way impeded by the fact that Messina's had to come in, or Femenia's had to come in, or Mariapa's playing at fullback. You know, we've got Cabaselli in and then out. You know, it, it seems like there is an element of responsibility, and therefore, by being able to put Chalabar in and have the Chalabar we had as a 17 year old achieving his potential, not the Chalabar who's been injured for a couple of years, by having him there, it's allowed De Kure, it's freed him up to play that role, and it means that he's got the leggy kind of ranginess that means that Troy can do his thing of just being like a. Like, like a lightning rod, if you like, for the ball to come and hit and, and to bring the wide players in. So it's, it, I think everyone's benefited from Pearson in, in the sense that he's found a way of fitting all the pieces together in, in the puzzle. But I think from, from where he was to where he is, I think Dukure's made a massive leap. And there was a, a piece on the BBC, and I think a, a, a tweet from Johnny Whitmore from Opta, showed the, uh, under Pearson the amount of passes Dukure's had in each half. And in, in, in the defensive half, he's had like five fewer passes than he had per game against with other managers. But in, in, in the opposition's half, he's had about 10 or 11 more. And that just shows, that, but it's all over the attack. It's not, he's not in the middle, he's on the wings, he's, he's all over, he's, he's, a, he's a pest. He's, he's a good job for pressing. When you've got... Um, De La Feu and Saar, if, if we can win the ball back, they're like a coiled spring, ready to attack. So I think I think he 
we've got him back. You know, as Mike was saying, we've got the midfield back. We've got our Decore back, and he suddenly he suddenly is going to warrant a 40, 45 million pound transfer fee. Someone wants to take him. Whereas the first half of the season, someone might be thinking. There's a bargain to be had there if I can get him, you know, because they're not going to be able to command what they what they were asking for in the last summer. But I think this summer, if someone wants him, they're going to have to pay top dollar for him. 50, 60, 70? No, let's see. But Jason, who for you has, since that uh, departure of Kike, who, who's really improved for you? For me, it's Gerald Delafeu. Um, there's, this, there's this little child in Delafeu, I think, and we've highlighted that in the podcast earlier this season, certainly under Kike, and we did call him out because... We weren't getting what we needed from Delafeu. He was it's highly frustrating. Very, very frustrating, and uh, and you could see the frustration in him as well. And he was, wasn't handling the poor performances and the and the difficult games very well at all. And you could see it see it on the pitch and see it in his face. And even I mean, there's been a couple of times where I've seen him go off in his car after the game with his missus driving, and he sort of slouched in the passenger seat just looking really unhappy and that sort of again that sort of child coming to the fore but I think what that did show that he does love the game he does love playing football that one good result that we had under uh, under Kike with the, the tuna win at Norwich on the telly at the end of the game he's been interviewed and he couldn't concentrate on his interview because the fans were singing his song and he sort of had to stop and pause and sort of take it all in again that sort of He's just sort of enjoying that moment. Now, under Pearson, we're seeing all the good childlike qualities coming to the fore. All of a sudden, he's got an energy. That passion is being displayed in the right way. He's doing doing the things well that he was doing before in terms of the attacking football, but the decision-making is, is slightly better. Um, but then the defensive work is there all of a sudden that wasn't there before. Uh, the, the, the chasing back, making tackles... We bumped into uh, Ollie Wicken earlier, didn't we, John? And he was saying about the uh, the shoulder barge that where he, on Aurier that, that he won. He yeah. little Jerry Delafeo won a sort of shoulder to shoulder, <laughs> amazing stuff. And again, you wouldn't you, you weren't getting that at all, anything like that under under Kike or under under Javi Gracia. So for me, a, a massive improvement. Delighted to see it because he is a quality player, and we were we were at the point. Certainly, I think Mike was at the point where he was saying. Get rid, get rid in the summer. Make money on him now while we can. There's no point having him around because he, he looks like he doesn't want to be here. But now, a very, very different change player. Brilliant. Yeah, and if I may, I think I do. Your, your decision, Mike. Yes. Who, who, who do you reckon? It's different. I think Gerard Delafeu embodies this turnaround. I think he's a sort of the poster boy for this turnaround. All of the talent, but not on display. Now he's he's got the talent and he's making it work. As Jay said, he's he's ten times the player he was earlier in the season. He's absolutely brilliant. His defensive work today was a joy to behold, and I think you can see the confidence coming back. He's taking players on, and he's thinking. He, before I thought he had got no idea what he wants to do when he beats a man. Now it looks like he's he's playing a bit more strategically. He knows what he's trying to do. He knows what he can do, and he knows his importance to the team. And I think that's that's flooding back through him. So I think he embodies the whole. The, the team's flipped. The t- it's it's the, the complete mirror image of what they were before. And there's a moment actually earlier in the game, in the first half, he had a close call and he turns to the crowd saying, come on! Yeah. And everyone went, yeah! yeah! And the fruit of that, he'd been turning on saying, stop! Stop booing me! Yeah. It felt like anyway, but he, he did it. He went, Rah! And he's turning round, he's getting back into position. And so he is the sort of... 
he's the energy. But and, but but Geordie's point about Decore is it being deployed slightly slightly differently, and that's freed him up, and in turn it's freed up the whole rest of the rest of the team. So it all probably comes back to the most important man of all, which is Nigel Pearson. He's the one that's got these guys playing. He's put an arm around Jerry clearly, and. He's, he's, he's poles apart and, I, and I'm so grateful to see it. I was incredibly harsh, incredibly upset, incredibly frustrated by him. And now I'm, you know, I, I hate, I don't know if I am apology, but I'm happy to apologise. because he's, Buy a, buy a pint. He, yeah, or, or he's probably, he'd probably have a martini or something. Even, <laughs> um, a sangria, I don't know. Uh, can you even buy a martini anymore? I don't know. I'll ask James no, I Bond. Reckon, I reckon I'm going to say about the uh, sort of being childlike, probably a Ribena. <laughs> oh, whatever, I'll buy you a drink, Jerry, and maybe some, uh, some pudding too. But it all comes back. I think doesn't it to 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 Nigel Pearson? He's the one that have got all these guys ticking. He, he's brought the guys in, and I think the guys I talked about they've got confidence to play to play their game. He managed Chalabar's wobbly couple of days really really nicely, and just the, the way he's the way he set the team up has it's played into the hands of our key performers. Earlier on in the season, we were getting nothing from our key players. Now we're getting exactly what we need from them, and I think. Yes, that's down to Nigel Pearson, but also when they cross the white line, these boys have had to translate it. They've had to dust themselves down, look at the table and think, crikey, we are in the mire here. There's only, it's us that's going to get it out, get it, get out of it. And they've, and they've done it so far. So they just need to keep it up. So if I had to choose, I'm not going to choose because I think this has been a massive, massive team effort. Do not scratch your ears. You're listening to From the Rookery End. We've got a busy week ahead for the Hornets. Uh, we play today, being Saturday, we play again on Tuesday, away at Aston Villa. Then we go up to Tranmere, take two of the replay for the third round, and we potentially could be back here at Vicarage Road next Sunday. That's four games in nine days. Jason, we're going into this. Momentum is, is with us, as Mike said. We, we can be in all those games positive about getting a result. Absolutely, yeah. And the um, the Villa game first up is the biggest of the three, I think. We we, we can probably take a, a bit more of a laid-back look at the FA Cup this season, given the situation that we're in. And having beaten them recently, and not just beaten them, but yeah. proper smashed them with 10 men, um, then we should be feeling confident going into that game and, and Villa may be a little bit nervous they've got a, a, a tricky game against Brighton so obviously by then we'll know how they get on and where they are in the table they've got the opportunity to to go back above us if they if they win that we need to go into it feeling positive and we can get the result FA Cup Geordie Tranmere away who, who do you think of the first team first team players uh, are we going to see in that game uh, I guess first team none, yeah. none because I think you know we're going to need to keep them if they're if they're in the first team two days earlier. I mean they might be halfway up on the way to Tranmere, yeah. but uh, I don't think that Nigel's going to say ask a first teamer necessarily to put um, to put a shift in uh, unless unless he wants them to plant some potatoes on the on the pitch at Tranmere. <laughs> I think I think that's uh, that's what it looks like he's good for. I mean it does look like it's going to be a real a real slog, and it, you know. All the all the clips on YouTube of you know uh, games in the 80s and stuff. We'll have like an HD version of them uh, to look back on. Um, it, so I think I think there may be some first uh, team squad players who are given a run out. I think the difficult thing is if you don't know what's going on behind the scenes and who they're looking to move on. And what you don't want is to risk a player who you could get six, seven, eight million for, or take just take the wages off and then lose them to an injury that they picked up in a game that I don't really think we are that bothered about. Um, 
if we're honest uh, as a club. I mean, we had our little run last year. It was lovely. I think if if we'd started our great escape earlier uh, and we were mid-table, we might say, let's just see what happens because, you know, we can, we can beat Tranmere and, uh, you know, if we've got Man United, they've got the European games, so they're not going to be looking forward to it. So there's a chance to get... And then suddenly it all opens up. And But I don't think, I don't think it's a huge priority. I think if we go out, we go out and then... So be it. Um, I think if we if we make it through, I think it's an opportunity to blood some players. Um, again, Pusetto might get a run if he doesn't play much. Uh, again, just to kind of say this is as bad as it gets in the UK. <laughs> so if you can, you know, uh, cold night on uh, on the Wirral, um, you know, the likes of success and if we're grey, if we're looking to move them on, it's do we want to risk and do I don't know. Will they play in the last game? They're going to be cup tied. So yeah. so if they're already cup tied, then you know maybe give them a give them a run out. I think maybe the reserve goalkeepers. We we'll get a chance. I think uh, some of the, I, I missed the game, but I think some of the younger players did well. So it'd be a chance for them to show that they can do it again. Um, and maybe the ones who didn't do so well, give them another chance. You know, maybe away from the home crowd, um, with a little bit less pressure. But I think I, I think it is a, a, a low priority. And as much as everyone talks about the rounds of the cup and everyone wants us to do well, I think the fans are almost like realistic in the sense that we'd rather stay up. Um, and focus on that than have a p- the potential of a cup run. First time ever that I've, I'm genuinely not bothered. I really, I desperately want us to go through, but if we don't, then um, this will be the first time ever in my history of watching, history of watching Watford. That you can be watching the game against Tranmere and we go three nil up. I know you'll probably go, well, well, they'll get that back. But are you going to go? Oh no, no, no. I, be, I, w- I want us to go through. Absolutely, every time Watford take the field, I want us to win. I want us to go as far in the FA Cup as possible. But it is just—it simply isn't a priority. And it's first time, the first time I've, I felt that. And there's, for a host of reasons, the, pitch, the fixture pile-up is is, uh, is 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 monumental this this week. Um, and Geordie joked about the pitch, but it is a real serious issue now. So you've got people like João Pedro, uh, Pacetto, who probably might have featured to get some game time. But now, do they risk him with that? With the pitch as bad as it is, they're they're in action this afternoon against Ipswich. So they've got a game today. If it, they play on that, then it rains again. It really is going to be difficult. So there's complications upon complications in that game and yeah I'm perfectly willing just to I want us to win it I'm desperate to win it and but I think we'll see even less there's even less potential for for even first team squads to 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 feature than there there was before I think we've got a a burgeoning under 23 outfit I think there's plenty of players there who'll be absolutely chomping at the bit to get out there and wear the yellow in a competitive game for for Watford so I think we'll see a very very young side but one that's capable of beating Tranmere um, so yeah, it's a really exciting week, but yeah, Tranmere is, is low. I want to try and get up to Villa on the Tuesday. That's the big question for yeah. me. Can I make it from work to Birmingham um, on Tuesday night in time? We shall, uh, we shall see. But that game is the massive one. I don't I think it's nice to kind of have the distraction of the FA Cup and to have something else to think about, other things to talk about. But again, we're back on that tightrope, aren't we? We've got a point today, but it, as Jason said, if Villa win, they're back above us uh, and they'll have a bit of momentum going into the game with us. 45,000 there on, on Tuesday night. It'll be a, a real raucous atmosphere. They'll, have, they'll be up for this one. They'll want revenge for their poor performance down here. Um, so Tuesday is absolutely enormous. We said it before the before the Bournemouth game. We've had a bit of a breath today because you know you'll take a point against Tottenham. I think all all day long. But we're back into the you know in the week we're playing in the FA Cup. We're back into FA Cup finals in the league. So all eyes straight away on 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 Tuesday night. Absolutely enormous game. And as Watford supporters, we need to be under no illusion that we are still in the biggest and hardest of battles um, to stay in the Premier League. We'll be back next week with another podcast. Uh, we'll do some little bits throughout the week. Colin is definitely off to Villa Park uh, and definitely, strangely, bizarrely, um, but good on him, off to Tranmere for Tranmere away one and a half. 
um, because uh, you made it halfway there last week. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Do follow us on social media uh, and uh, do tell your friends. Uh, we are from the Ricker End. Search for us on all the normal podcast platforms. Thank you much, Jason. Thank you. Thank you, Geordie. No worries. Thank you, Michael. An honour and a privilege. And come on, you all!